This is WCNY's The Capitol Press Room, and we're exploring what the governor's budget proposal means for the more than half a million veterans in New York. And to do that, we're joined by Derek Coy, a Marine who served in Iraq and now works as a senior programs officer focusing on veterans' health for the New York Health Foundation, a foundation dedicated to improving the health of New Yorkers. Welcome back to the show, Derek. Thanks for having me back. It's always good to be with you. It's our pleasure. Well, I want to start with what's in the governor's budget. And up first is the issue of suicide prevention, a real critical issue considering that more than a dozen veterans take their own life each day in America. So what is Hochul proposing in this area? Yeah, it's a good question. I agree. It's, it's an incredibly important topic. You know, we're very fortunate in a lot of ways in New York State because we've already done a lot legislatively and on the ground. And and we have on the whole for vets and civilian population, much lower rates of suicide compared to other states. But of course, when you look at the civilian versus veteran population in New York, veterans in New York State still have a rate of suicide about twice as high as their civilian counterparts. So it's really important to understand who this is impacting and where, for instance, women veterans have a higher risk, more firearm usage, rural veterans in particular. And there's a lot of ways that you can look at it. But I think what's important to understand is a lot of what's in the budget, it doesn't necessarily need to be a specific line item for suicide prevention, though there are some. I think it's really important to look at how housing impacts risk, again, firearm access, financial instability. There are a lot of things that can really be considered upstream factors that can lead to a veteran becoming in crisis and uh, having suicidal ideation. So I think it's going to be really important to not only have some very specific suicide prevention means addressing firearm safety and storage, lethal means access, things of that nature, but then also realizing how a lot of the other budget allocations can be used to address these needs, regardless of what the veteran you know situation is. Well, sticking with those initiatives that are specifically geared to suicide prevention for veterans, is there anything like that spelled out in the governor's budget proposal, or is it more about focusing on those upstream issues like firearm safety or homelessness? You know, it's looking like it's more of the latter. It's great to understand that there's some solid gun violence prevention methods and things that are addressed in the budget. And for most states, and New York included, the majority of gun deaths are actually suicide. So when we're looking at addressing gun violence, you really need to be talking about suicide prevention. And there weren't a lot of very specific things in there. But again, I think this is really the first step in this process. And I think we're really going to need to see how the legislature and other folks really identify what these funds can be used for and how best to leverage them in the community. Um, But of course, considering the severity of the topic, we'd love to see much more specifics addressed in, you know, in the executive budget. And of course, uh, what's important is what actually gets put into law and policy. Well, when it comes to, say, firearm safety and preventing death by a firearm from a veteran, what does a meaningful policy or investment look like? Is it simply having gun control and red flag laws, or, or is there more that the state could or should be doing? You know, there's definitely much more the state could and should be doing. But again, um, you know, on the whole, just looking at policies and and laws that have been passed in New York, uh, we're much far ahead uh, of other states. And, And one of the strongest impacts that we've seen on the rates and numbers of suicides uh, per state really has a lot to do with access to firearms or the most lethal mean by far. You know, it's very unlikely if someone attempts suicide using a firearm that they'll survive. Whereas if you're using medication or other methods, 
you have a second chance. And what's important to know is that contrary to popular belief, if someone doesn't have access to a means, they're, they're not likely to seek out another. And also if they survive an attempt, they're super likely to go on and not attempt again. So it's really important to understand that, you know, putting space uh, and time between a firearm and a veteran in crisis is important. There's a lot of great resources worried about a veteran dot org that folks can check out and, and see what the different policies are, different ways to broach the conversation. Uh, because the issue is so widespread, it's not something that VA could do on their own or even a state agency. It's really important to look at where vets are, you know, just in their community and having more folks ask, you know, have you served in the military? Do you know what to do? If someone you love that's a veteran is maybe experiencing signs of suicidal ideation or contemplating taking their own life, uh, you know, what do you do about that? And, and, and there's some great resources out there, but I think it's going to be really important to uh, cast as wide a net as possible. So uh, in this budget in particular, if there could be more screening at non-VA hospitals, community providers, and you name it, just you know, local fairs where New Yorkers are meeting, really understanding that there's not one agency or one approach that could be taken. So really casting a wide net to make sure that veterans uh, you know, have someone to talk to, they know what resources are available. And, and you know, that's really going to be the continued work of us going forward. And when you talk about screenings, these are screenings, what, to ensure that veterans are taking advantage of the services and benefits that are available to them? Because it's my understanding that the rate of participation by veterans is comparatively low. I think maybe one stat I saw was that it hovers around 20%. Yeah, exactly. So um, I think when you're looking at, for instance, things like housing, that's a huge risk factor. So veterans are much more likely to die by suicide if they've experienced homelessness in any point in their life. And they're not necessarily going to the VA um, for myriad reasons. They might not be eligible. They might just have a preference elsewhere or not have access. So that's really important to know that when veterans are you know, looking for housing resources, they're amazing resources like the Columbia Protocol. That's just a few questions that you could ask and really identify whether someone's at high risk. And then the real important thing there is understanding how to refer that veteran, uh, 988, you know, plus one for veterans, the suicide crisis line, very important. But there's also, you know, local resources that that could be deployed. And, you know, if you just think of anything from other public safety messages that we put out there, there's ways that we can really ingrain, you know, what to do, how to screen and just how to be a person that can help. Because again, this is very, you know, specific to the veteran community, but, but really um, this goes for everyone. So the more we understand, you know, who's at risk, again, women, veterans in particular, because of their increased access to firearms have a much higher rate of suicide compared to their civilian counterparts. So really understanding again, who's at risk, rural veterans, where we can meet them. That's going to be really important to understand moving forward. Well, before we talk about the issues uh, facing veterans and what, if anything, the state should be doing specifically for them, I want to reintroduce you for listeners just joining us. So this is the Capitol Press Room, and we're speaking with Derek Coy, a Marine who served in Iraq and now works as a senior programs officer for the New York Health Foundation. Well, you mentioned that women veterans have a higher rate of suicide compared to their male peers. Is there anything in this budget that specifically focuses then uh, on this unique population? You know, just looking at even just uh, from the state of the state, what's been put out there again, what, you know, we'll have to find out what, you know, gets put into law later. Um, but really looking at addressing meeting veterans where they are in data collection. So, uh, you know, we have really great data from VA, but for privacy reasons, and this is arguably a good problem to have because the number of women veterans that die by suicide in New York is so low, it's less than 10. They can't really 
sparse out the specifics. So it's good that the number's so low in that sense. But what that prevents us from knowing is, uh, is it nine or is it one? If they're nine that are all using firearms, if it's half, we, we really don't understand. And, and what's important is to, you know, address the, the most common lethal mean used, which again is is likely firearms for women veterans in, in New York, because that's the trend nationwide. But the fact that we don't know, so I think the governor mentioning data collection, how important that is, that's one way to look at it. And the other thing is timeliness. At best, we get, you know, our stats from Department of Veterans Affairs, and they're about two years behind. So it's really hard to look at the increased efforts and, and things that we've tried in the last few years and be able to pinpoint and say, hey, it looks like this put a dent in the numbers or this looks like it was very useful in any particular way. So the better we can collect data, the quicker we can do it, then I think the better opportunity we have to put resources behind some of these approaches. Um, and until then, um, you know, I think a, a call for increased data collection is incredibly important to those ends. Rhetorically, the governor's State of the State address, as well as the budget briefing book, make very little reference to veterans. Is that a missed opportunity, considering it doesn't cost the state anything to utilize the governor's bully pulpit? Or are you more concerned with the substantive over the rhetorical? You know, I think we could do both. I mean, it is concerning. I think uh, a lot of folks understand how veteran suicide in particular impacts so many veterans and, and non-veterans throughout the state. Um, and also considering the the complexity of issues that that veterans face, you and I have talked about this quite a bit. Um, I think one thing that's, um, you know, in action, certainly not good, even if, if we were talking about it more, um, but is looking at uh, the Department of, of Veteran Services statewide here uh, in their budget. You know, we, we saw about a $2.8 million decrease um, in the executive budget compared to last year. And there were some one-time you know, funding uh, line items that, you know, kind of offset that. But in reality, uh, looking at a report from Syracuse University's Institute for Veterans and Military Families, back in 2019, you know, pre-pandemic, uh, they were making the argument that, uh, you know, really to, to be on par with our peers, New York State's DVS should be around, you know, the 40 to $90 million budget. And currently it, it's closer to $30 million. On average, that means about forty dollars being spent per veteran in the state, and the national average is about two hundred. So to see the decrease in funding, I think that's just not in line with what the recent research has said. And again, that's pre-pandemic. So to see that overall, the only increases for the um, DBS budget are you know just adjustments for inflation, uh, you know that's concerning. Uh, so, but I think we need to you know you know verbalize uh, these issues. That's important, but also make them actionable. So, so to see. Scant mentions uh, of veterans throughout the budget. Um, yeah, that's that's certainly not ideal, in my opinion. Well, I want to turn to a recurring issue, which is funding for the Joseph P. Dwyer program, which provides peer mentoring to service members and is considered pretty beneficial in reducing veteran suicides. Uh, initially, upon entering office, Governor Hochul championed a big investment in the program, but then last year she pushed for only a $15,000 increase, which some state lawmakers described as uh, insulting. What sort of investment is the governor proposing in this latest budget? So it looks like there's going to be about a 3% increase for all counties currently in the executive budget. Um, I think you will see uh, a lot of pushback from legislators. We at the foundation have been in the field 
you know, for almost a decade now. And it's almost impossible to talk to anyone on the ground providing veteran services in any capacity to not bring up Dwyer. And I think what folks don't realize is that peer mentoring, it seems like just one one goal. How do we get veterans connected to other veterans? But you're really... I think underestimating the scope, because what's happened these last few years is that so many community providers, uh, county level veteran service officers and veteran benefit advisors have kind of created this informal coalition where they're exchanging ideas, they're sharing best practices, and, and they really know what the best way to reach veterans is. And then on top of that, uh, like I mentioned, the, the real important part is how do you refer and connect them to the resources? Because this network exists, and, and in my opinion, certainly needs to be strengthened, there's a big missed opportunity when the state's not investing in that, because it's really, you know, a one-stop shop in a lot of ways where it's veteran to veteran, you break down a lot of the stigmas veterans have about asking for help. And it's a great opportunity to connect them with wraparound service. So you look at the statewide housing crisis, it's rare that a veteran is experiencing housing instability that's likely not dealing with financial instability or food insecurity. So having one touch point that can connect veterans with all of these is really the goal and, and what's made Dwyer so popular. So I think you know, you're know you going to see a, a larger call to increase that funding because it's really just going to pay dividends and create a large uh, return on investment for, for veterans statewide and the state in general. And finally, under Governor Hochul, the State Division of Veterans Services has been elevated in the administration. And I'm curious whether there's any significant benefits that you could point to from that change happening. Unfortunately, I don't think so. And DVS is a a phenomenal organization I work very closely with. And just looking again at their budget and what they're able to do, you know, I think one of their strongest suits I would say, unfortunately, is how entrepreneurial they are, because they really have to do a lot with, again, comparatively speaking, a a rather small budget. So it's great to see what they've been able to do and continue to do. Mama V is a tremendous leader. There's so many just incredible veteran benefit advisors that are doing the work on the ground. But again, unfortunately, you know, the the few tweaks I've heard folks say, you know, it's kind of an elevation in name only. If we're seeing a, a modest decrease overall in the budget, it's certainly not in line with what we've seen uh, displayed as a need and also the potential. The larger DVS grows, I think the more they'll be able to do. And it's, again, it's going to just, you know, pay dividends across the board. It's going to connect veterans with, uh, you know, myriad resources beyond what DVS can provide. And I think it can serve as a model for other agencies to better coordinate and collaborate with private partners, community partners. And that's, you know, another big takeaway from that IVMF study that I mentioned is that, you know, it's not just that the budget, you know, needs to increase. Uh, There also needs to be a diversity of funds. So that's on us in philanthropy to figure out ways to invest in some of these services. But you've also seen that with the 1.1 million in the homeless veterans assistant program that really, you know, comes from essentially donations from New Yorkers. So I think a lot of people don't understand what that is, how to leverage that and raise funds through it. So there's a lot more that needs to be done. But I think the big takeaway is state DBS has done a phenomenal job considering they are not resourced to the level of comparable state departments. Well, unfortunately, we're going to have to leave it there. We've been speaking with Derek Coy. He is a senior programs officer focusing on veterans health for the New York Health Foundation. Derek, thank you so much for making the time. I really appreciate it. It's truly my pleasure. Thanks. 
Support for the Capitol Press Room provided by the New York State AFL-CIO, a federation of 3,000 unions fighting for working people by keeping New York State union strong. Visit unionstrongny.org for more information. Join us again for Capitol Press Room, a production of WCNY Connected, Syracuse.